The Velvet Hammer, an inside look at trial lawyer life with Karen Kohler. Real life stories about fighting the good fight. We're going to talk about being busy today. And I don't mean being busy, like kind of busy or sort of busy or pretty busy. I mean being so busy that your world just starts to cave in around you and, and uh, consume you with busyness. Everywhere you look, all you can see is more things to be done, more people needing help, more people with questions, more courts demanding responses, more attorneys clogging up your inbox, your phone uh, reaching its maximum potential, and the realization at about one o'clock in the morning that you probably should try to get to bed because you have to be up in about five or six hours to start the whole process over again. Last a year, a year ago, a year and a half ago now, at the end of the Ducks trial, uh, which was the busiest trial of my entire career, um, I got really sick, and all of us did. All of us got sick. Uh, when I say really sick, I mean, you know, I got some kind of a cold um, and was out of commission for several days, which for me is pretty sick, um, knock on wood. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, I got sick, and you always hear about that. I mean, the defense lawyers were sick during trial. The judge was always sick during trial. But the plaintiff side of it, we weren't sick at all. Uh, and as soon as the case was over, we all got sick. And it was just because, you know, the heavens were protecting us so that we could champion our clients' rights and fight, 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 fight um, without having our heads clogged with uh, uh, goo. And that's, by the way, my worst, my worst problem with being sick is not anything, not the coughing or the sneezing or the stomach indigestion or even the body fatigues. My biggest problem if I'm sick is if my head is full of goo because the head has to work when you're a lawyer. But after that sickness went away, I assumed I was back to my normal and was just going, starting to get up and going again, taking way more time um, to try to kind of breathe, but also all my other cases were kind of backed up so um, we were starting to get going again when I did get this time really sick and ended up in the hospital and I ended up in the hospital because my my blood pressure uh, was off the charts and I didn't even see it coming so at the time I was 58 years of age fairly healthy person. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. I never have. I work out regularly, as in every day. I go for a run with Nala and live a fairly, you know, from the outward looking in, straightforward, non-addictive, if you don't count, chocolate life. So I ignored all the warning signs. First of all, I had had a little bit of higher blood pressure several years before, and my doctor told me, hey, your parents both have it. 
they both got it. My dad had it younger. My mother got it in like her seventies. And, uh, and, and, uh, the doctor said, well, they had it. And so chances are you're going to, you're just, this is just a slow movement. You're pre hypertensive. Um, but here's, you know, get a heart monitor and, um, take some vitamins or herbs or whatever, uh, uh, if you need to, um, and, uh, let's just monitor it. So no medication, like my entire medication up until I was 58 years of age, 59, yeah, 58 years of age was M vitamin C tablet, which my dad always liked and a multivitamin. That's it. So, uh, I was at home one evening or actually that day I was, I was home. It was a first Tuesday of a month because we had firm meeting. I woke up with it, with a headache. The headache would not go away. It felt like just someone had put a helmet on my head and tightened it and I couldn't open my eyes all the way. And it was just super, super bad. So I got through the firm meeting, um, and, uh, probably was not very entertaining. That always takes at least three hours and came home, uh, after work, I worked probably till mid afternoon, came home, continued working from home, which is kind of what I do, but I just kept feeling terrible and my headache wouldn't go away. And, um, so I just had this really bad headache, um, and, and was just feeling icky is the best way I can explain it. No other symptom. Well, then it was about eight o'clock at night and Michael, my partner, he was out of town at some kind of foot and ankle conference and, uh, 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 oh no, maybe it was here, but it was late. You know, he had surgery the next day. So it was eight o'clock. Um, and, uh, I still just felt like crap. Um, I may have had a couple other symptoms. Oh, I know. I had a kind of like a pain in my, kind of in the middle of my, above, above my belly button, but not, not my heart, just, you know, lower. Then it was kind of pain in generally my chestish area, but not, I didn't even know what it was. So I had this weird little pain. I had this terrible headache and I just felt terrible. So I started to Google. <laughs> Uh, and decided I should call my kids and just tell them. Um, well, no, I know I did the Google and then I thought, Hey, I should just take my blood pressure. So I took it and it was terrible. It was like, I don't know. My mom had high blood pressure and that was one reason she died. Um, and it was two something over a hundred and something like two twenty over 170. It was terrible. And I thought, Oh, it's broken. <laughs> Right. I thought, Oh, this thing is broken. I hadn't used it in over a year because my, my, my blood pressure had been normal. It'd gone way back down to where it was. I hadn't even thought about looking at my blood pressure for over a year. I thought it's the batteries are dead. So I went and changed the batteries and I did it again. And it was still those terrible numbers. And then I started to Google, um, and, uh, I said, when should you go to the doctor? Uh, so anyway, I called Michael. I said, Michael, uh, I'm not, I don't know if my, my blood pressure monitor is broken or not, but this is what it says. And I have a bad headache and I have a weird pain in my chest. And he said, go to ER. Um, 
I said, oh, let me talk to the girls. So call the girls. No one was home. And I thought, I'm just going to go to Bartels and get some cardatone, which is like a heart herb. So I was on my way to Bartels and Alicia got on the phone and said, get to the ER. And I said, well, there's a little clinic. I'll just go to that by Bartels, little neighborhood clinic. Well, neighborhood clinic was closed. So I thought, okay, fine. Um, I guess I'll go to the ER. So by then I told Michael to go to go not to worry. He had surgery the next morning. So Alicia came over, we went over to the hospital and guess what? It was not the batteries. It was not a bad blood pressure machine. It was in fact off the charts. They took me straight into the emergency room and, uh, hooked me up to the monitors and started trying to give me stuff to get my blood pressure down. Uh, yeah. In fact, they hospitalized me overnight, although they let me go the next morning. Now, A, I did not have a heart attack. B, uh, I definitely had a hypertensive issue. And when that happens, apparently, once, they, once you can go from, from being normal to hypertensive, then you're always at risk. And so I'm going to be on medicine for the rest of my life. I'm going to do that because my mother refused to do that. And, um, uh, that's a whole nother story. It, it really, um, um, is such a sad thing that she would refuse to take something as simple as blood pressure medication. There's many travelers that would never ever tell a story like that because we're invincible and you never want your opponent to know that you have any kind of weakness. Um, and the latter really is the number one thing, right? The opponents should never know that you have a weakness. But I'm, I'm just not, I just don't care. That if, if anybody really cares and wants to know my stories, I'm going to tell them I don't view life as a weakness. I, I view living life fully and um, not being scared uh, and hiding things is my, my uh, modus operandi. So... Everyone became, everyone being my family became, and my firm became obsessed with trying to make me stop working or take it easy, which just caused me more anxiety because I like to work and, and that's what I, that's what I do a lot of, and I have to do it. But I did try to take some time off. Um, I, uh, have a cabin. I spent a lot of time at the cabin. I decided I would spend some time in New York, um, um, got a place in New York, which now I can't even go to because of COVID and, uh, just started working a little bit more remotely so that it would be, um, I don't know, easier on myself. Well, as things became under control with the hypertension, then I reverted to back to all of my other life behaviors, uh, which included becoming busy. And as the aftermath of that trial went away and I started having more time, it all got sucked up by the amount of cases I have and continue to have. Because even though COVID is here, um, my practice is a high-end referral um, and high-profile cases. And, and so it's a little niche um, and it's filled. It's filled so much that I have two full-time paralegals, one, a third, a half of another uh, p- senior paralegal, 
and I have a, a, two other paralegals working on cases that I'm working on. And I am uh, interviewing for another third full-time paralegal just for me. And I have all these wonderful attorneys that work with me on cases, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm still incredibly busy. I don't know. I like it. I know I shouldn't be so busy. I think that's the dilemma of a busy person is, you know, you shouldn't be so busy, but if you love it, then it's hard not to be busy. And if you're just busy because that's how your life is, uh, and it's not by your own doing, like I don't spin in circles, for example, I don't procrastinate and then rush, rush, rush. It's just the sheer volume of it all is crushing. So here I am a year and a half later after the hospital scare on medication, um, take the little teeny pill and, um, which manages the blood pressure, but my behavior hasn't changed. I don't know if it can change. I wonder if it can ever change. That's my story. So, but I do want to talk about being busy as a trial lawyer. Um, I don't know how not to be busy. And I think that that is part of who I am and part of who we are. And we, different people have come to different points in their lives when they say this is acceptable or it's not acceptable. I think that younger lawyers reach that point somewhere when they're young and say, do I really want to be this busy? Uh, do I, how am I going to figure out how to take care of or raise a family, for example, or take care of my parents or, um, you know, be in loving relationships outside of just being a work person. Um, of course, those conversations internally come, come throughout your career. Uh, and then as an older person, it's like, well, maybe, you know, my memory isn't as good or my skill set is great, but I just don't want to do so many depositions or I just want to have a little bit more time to spend with my family or loved ones. So the, 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 it's kind of never static. It, depending upon the curve of the life, it's something that needs to be reassessed always. But the bottom line is, unless you draw a line and say, I'm only going to handle X number of cases and I'm not going to help manage the law firm, I'm going to do no uh, marketing uh, for myself, which as a trialer, you have to do some marketing, uh, some public relations, some uh, because you are responsible for people knowing well enough to ask for you uh, in a sea of hundreds of thousands of lawyers um, who they could choose from. Why would they choose you? So all of these things happen and then continuing legal education and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So what happens to the lawyer that's too busy? Well, you can burn out. You can have high blood pressure like me and just not even pay attention to it until, hello, it's there. And if I hadn't done something, something bad would have happened more than just having a headache. I'm the worst person to be giving advice on this subject. And I'm not. You shouldn't take your advice from me. How about that? I think that's a pretty good that's a pretty good recommendation there. If you're a person who's really busy and you're trying to figure out how not to be busy, 
You should definitely not take any advice from me. But I'm going to tell you why I'm busy and why I like it. And why it's hard for me not to be busy is a whole nother subject. So something about being a plaintiff lawyer um, happens. Number one, if you have a person that has a, a high amount of energy and a mind that goes all the time, whether you want it to or not, it just constantly is going. The law is great because there's always more to do. There's always better things that you can be. You can always get better. You can always do more. There's always room for continued escalation of excellence. There's just no bar at the top. There's no point where you can just be at the very top and say, I can never be any better. There's just always more. So for the insatiable person, being a lawyer is a good thing um, in terms of feeding that appetite. It also is good if you have a high work ethic, whether you know it or not. I don't know that I had a high work ethic, but apparently I do. And I, that means that I feel good by working. It feeds my soul and it makes me feel productive and that I'm doing good things and I'm helping people. Um, for me, really the number one motivator is the fact that I know I'm helping people. I love to give and to help and make things better and to fight for people. And so it's just a constant feeding of uh, endorphins and every other biological, physiological part of me that grow that, you know, just grooves off of being able to do for others and, and, uh, continue to strive to learn and know and fight and be. The other thing about being busy is that because I, I think, and I've kind of tried to psychoanalyze this for plaintiff lawyers, I think because we see how quickly tragedy can occur and how devastating it is and how unpredictable it is and how it can happen to the best of people uh, in an instant and just change lives that every day I want to do as much as I can, be as big as I can be in terms of taking up uh, as much and taking, taking, taking up and taking in as much of life as I can. And I don't like to do it passively. I like to do it um, proactively. I like it to be an active process. Um, I like the chatter. I like the things that I listen to to be my world. I don't like to have background noise like the TV on. I like to have music. I don't even have TV at the house other than watching movies and Netflix, which normally occurs after 10 o'clock at night, unless I'm with Michael, who needs to watch something early. It's just a show for me. Um, one show, I just don't sit there binge watching. That just doesn't sound good to me at all. So there's this urgency that I always feel of wanting to just soak up as much life and be in it for as much as I can every single day. And I think it has to do with exposure to trauma, tragedy, and the worst loss that there could ever be for uh, another human being, which is their loved one. I'm the worst person to ask for advice for on how not to be busy. I just don't know how to do it. I don't know that I'll ever be able to know how to do it. I turned 60 this week and I'm as busy as I've ever been. And I don't know 
how that will evolve. But I do know that no matter how hard I try to dial it back, it just always keeps going back to the level that it's set on, which is full throttle. That's, a, that's the pace that I go at. That's the pace I like. And that's the pace I'm used to. Some of you guys are like me. And you can totally understand where I'm coming from. And for you, I say, <laughs> we should slow down. We really should. But why? Just because other people say so? I, I, I wish I could, but I can't. So my final thoughts of being a busy person is that as I don't know. When you're a really busy person, that means that as long as you're able to keep some boundaries up, the people in your life won't suffer because being a very busy person means that I still have a lot of time for my family. I take that time. I'm getting ready to leave here, the office, to go for a run and then go babysit, go see my, my um, oldest child and babysit my grandson. I talk to my children every day. Uh, I don't know if people, uh, you know, I didn't talk to my parents every day. In fact, when I moved out of the house at age 18, I was pretty, not rebellious, but I was just like, I'm going to be a grown up now. Bye. Except for I worked for my mother. So, so that kind of defeated that. But I talked to my children every day. I zoom them constantly. I love zoom and we are on texting. I'm a texting maniac. Um, so yeah, anyway, those are my thoughts about being busy. I have no solution for this, uh, condition of life. I really don't do very well with people that are not busy in my own personal life because what happens, okay, here's my past boyfriends. They've always said the same words, including my former husband. Karen, can't you please just sit down on the couch and watch this show with me? Like, that's guaranteed. Everybody says that. Um, no matter how much I warn people how busy I am, no matter how much I try to explain it, because I'm quietish uh, when I'm not talking or, you know, being around other people. I'm, I'm a quieter person in my personal life, just doing all my stuff. And... So unless you watch me, you don't see how busy I am. Don't listen to my advice on being busy. Maybe I'll slow down one of these days. Maybe my kids will eventually have their way with me, but I doubt it. I love practicing law. I love doing what I do. I just hope that everyone, I wish that everyone, I should say, I wish that everyone could love their job as much as I love mine. It's just an expression of who I am. Which is busy. Over and out.